this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive, uh, Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. Through the month of August, I will be preaching from Paul's letter to the church in Ephesians. And Ephesians is one of Paul's letters, and it was likely written during one of his imprisonments. And the fun fact about Ephesians is that scholars believe that this was a letter that was meant to be generally circulated to churches, unlike other letters where Paul greets specific people or speaks to a specific situation in a church. This one is very general, meant to teach about who the church is and who the church is supposed to be in the world today, the body of Christ. And when Paul begins his letter, he opens Ephesians with this, and then he says it again in uh, the first chapter that I'm going to read in just a moment. He greets the saints of the church in Ephesus. And I know that for some of us, many of us, frankly, when we hear the word saint, we think of Roman Catholic Church, the VIP, A-plus Christians of the world. But when Paul speaks about saints, he is speaking about the whole body of Christ, the whole church, those who live and died in the faith. That is how Paul uses the word saints. And I invite you to read along with me this morning in the first chapter of Ephesians, beginning in verse 15. This is what he offers to the church. He says, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. And then he speaks this prayer to them. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the work of his great power. And then he speaks of the relationship to the church with Jesus. He says in verse 20, God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Beautiful writing, isn't it? Poetic. He says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance. Now, it happened to me recently, sitting in in a waiting room in a doctor's office. Lady nearby, we're making chit-chat, and she asks, what do you do for a living? 
I say, I'm a pastor of a church, First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville. Oh, and before long, we're in a conversation, and she's telling me she's spiritual but not religious, that she connects with God on her own and nature, and that organized religion is not for her. No offense, Pastor. And call up anybody spending their mornings most Sundays at the First Church of Cracker Barrel or the golf course, and you can find a similar conversation like that anywhere. And every time I'm part of a conversation like that, I always try to have compassion as I talk to someone. Because first of all, I know that churches haven't always helped themselves in this situation. There are very real stories of people hurt and wounded by the church, I will be the first to tell you that. Do you remember hearing a saying, maybe you've heard it before, For actually some time ago, it was so popular on social media, I saw it shared and passed around day after day, and, and it's a saying that goes like this, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. Anybody heard that before? Well, you know, it's amusing, true, technically. Does it make me cringe completely every time I hear it? Absolutely. Why? Well, you know, you can go to church and not be a Christian. We know that. You can hear one thing and do another. You can talk a good talk and your life look nothing like Jesus. You can bless God every Sunday in church and curse God with your life the rest of the week. We know this. But every time I hear that expression about standing in a garage making you a car, I think to myself, you know what? They just don't know. They just haven't glimpsed it. They just haven't seen what I've seen, what I see in your all's lives week in, week out. What I see, frankly, how could you not want to be a Christian? Love without strings attached. I see your friendships and your encouragement and your generosity and your selflessness. I see casseroles and cards and prayers and visits and rides to doctors and showing up for your kids to cheer them on, how could they not see it? You know, a chaplain friend of mine has this phrase she says she keeps in mind with her work that says, joy shared is multiplied and pain shared is cut in half. And maybe it really isn't half. But I see that lived out as you all try to shoulder the load with one another in your pain and in your sorrow. You know, I know a church up north that had a much beloved pastor that had to retire young and early because of her own devastating Alzheimer's diagnosis. And I watched this church from afar help her to celebrate her ministry and close out her time there with joy. 
And I watched them help her move into an apartment that would offer the assistance that she quickly needed. And now I watch from afar as I see one of her colleagues showing up at her apartment every week, even though she doesn't remember his name anymore, to take her to the park for a Sunday drive, take her to get her hair cut, or to her favorite restaurant, even though she doesn't remember it's her favorite restaurant anymore. The church does that. The church does that. I remember Bob, who was a treasurer of a local food bank in Tennessee, and for years and years he led as the treasurer, and I watched him help them navigate some significant projects and expand their ministries over the years thanks to his good leadership and Bob was never the official leader of the organization they always left that part to the ministers but he was truly the leader of the place the heart and soul of that ministry always quietly serving behind the scenes making things happen he was great at finding new volunteers he was awesome at getting the grocery store managers to donate just a little bit more than they had the last time. And when his health declined to a point that he realized he had to step away from that role after a long time, um, the church surprised him on a Sunday morning. Everybody brought food pantry donations and we brought it down to the chancel steps right in front of the communion table and it was like piled high this pyramid of food and I called him on down and we all gave him a standing ovation just to thank him for his years of service in this important ministry and the next day when Bob came with a few volunteers to help pick up all this food he pulled me aside, and with tears in his eyes, he said it was the best gift he had ever received. That's the church. It was the church that was there with balloons and welcome signs for the single mom in her 40s that was getting off a plane from Romania after adopting her son. It was the church that I know that furnished an apartment for the new refugee family from Iraq with a big old welcome home cake on the kitchen table. It was this church that framed an entire home for Habitat not too long ago. It was this church that has personally made sure that more and more kids than ever before get to experience church camp at Kumbaya. It's this church that has helped to make sure that families in rural communities in Nicaragua have clean water to drink. And it was this church that somebody was talking about to me that told me they didn't know a church like this one existed. That all their life they didn't know a church could welcome and love them as is. So yeah, going to church doesn't necessarily make you a Christian, but I sure think it's a great place to start.
And I tell you this because Paul's writing from jail could have been filled with doom and gloom and despair and sadness, except when you read Ephesians, you see it is filled with hope and with joy and thanksgiving of the God who's already set all this in motion, of what God has already done through Jesus and in turn through the life of the church. In fact, the tense, it's not hope, it's past tense of what God has already done. He reminds the readers that Jesus is the one who sits at the right hand of God, and he says in verse 22, he's put all things under his feet and has made him the head of over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. It's already done what Christ has done through the church. And the prayer he offers them is a prayer I think speaks to us still today. I remember a minister saying that he was grateful for a calling that was bigger than how he felt about it on any particular day. It's all of our calling of hope and wisdom and joy and purpose to be the body of Christ in the world. That's who the church is. And I know I'm going to keep having those kind of conversations in doctor waiting rooms and lobbies. But I thank God that Jesus hasn't given up on the church. And I hope you don't either. We are, for better or for worse, God's chosen instrument in the world. A colony of heaven, to use Paul's lingo. Paul knows that the church is here for such a time as this to offer God's transforming love to the world. As one person says it, from the heart of Christ's body shall flow all the love of God, bestowing hope, riches, greatness, as God is to Christ, so shall the church be to the world, the means of filling the whole cosmos with the glory of God. So church, don't forget who you are. Church, don't forget who you are called to be. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you all a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart you may know what is the hope of which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance. Thanks be to God. Amen.